You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Schizophrenic, struggle, disappointment because I'm still not perfect. But then the reminder, my righteousness is not based on my perfection, it's based on my faith, my faith in Jesus Christ. And here's one of the ironies of the Christian life. The longer you walk with Jesus and the more mature you become as a Christian, the more frustrated you will be about wanting to be completely perfect and holy and yet, you can't do it. Nobody is perfect before God. Every person in the world has sinned and lived in sin. Paul said that there's a war waging inside of him against his flesh and the spirit, against right and wrong. Today, Pastor Danny's going to take you to the book of Romans to encourage you to stay strong in your faith, especially when it's hard to, so you can fully experience the blessings and the joy that God has for you. You'll never be completely blameless because of the sin in you, but it's no excuse to always choose the path of sin. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 7 as he continues his message, The Schizophrenic Christian. He had never been what the Bible calls born again. A Jew, what's a Jew anyway? A Jew is not just one outwardly. God started the Jewish people from a man named Abraham. All Israelites trace their lineage back to Abraham. He's our father. And that's what they'll tell you. He's our father. He was the beginning of the Jewish people. And God revealed himself to Abraham. And key revelation was this. You're going to have a kid, but it's going to be a miracle child. When you and Sarah are too old to have kids, I'm going to come and I'm going to miraculously give you guys a child. And through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's the gospel. And Isaac is a representation and a type of the future seed coming from the lineage of Abraham. He's a Jew He's the Savior of the world. He's Jesus. The Jewish people started with Abraham. God could have started any kind of people he wanted to. But the Jew, he's saying here, is the revelation of God comes through the Jew. Not because they're better than or because God loves them more. God chose Abraham, created the Jewish people, revealed himself to the Jewish people in the hopes that they would share their Savior with the world. Matter of fact, the Jews were chosen, and the Old Testament tells us they were the most stiff-necked people because God's displaying his grace and his mercy. Salvation. It's a work of God, and it's a work that affects your heart. The spiritual Jew is the one that gets it. 
the revelation of God, the Savior of the world. Abraham believed when God said, you're going to have a child, and God credited to him righteousness. Are you with me? Is that too deep? So, when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, as I did when I was 19 years old, forgive me, Jesus, come into my life. Circumcision of the heart. It's a surgical procedure. It really happened. And God gave me a new heart. And ever since that night, ever since that night, I now have had a desire to please God. I want to keep the Ten Commandments. I don't want to not see them. I don't want to not hear them. I hear them and I go, yes, that's what I want to be like. Only problem is my wife keeps reminding me I'm not perfect. That's the struggle. Let me sum up this first point, this first section, this way. Here it is. When you become a Christian, when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, in your inner being, you become a new creation. But here's the problem, and here's the challenge, the outer shell. The outer shell, the human body that we have, sin still dwells in the members of our body. So deep inside, in our heart of hearts, God has done a miraculous work. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. We have a desire to please God, to live a righteous life. Only problem is this body and the desires of this sinful nature that lives in the members of my body. And here's the result. Here's the result. You're schizo. You're schizophrenic. Years ago when I was studying this and I taught on this years ago, and I realized the normal Christian life is schizophrenic. And if you're not, if you're not, actually, when I've taught on it years ago, I had people write me uh, little notes, sending me emails saying, I don't get that. I don't agree with that. Well, you're wrong. Paul right here is saying, I'm schizo. It's characterized by contradictory elements in my heart. And now that my heart's changed, my mindset is different. Well, my struggle is with this sin that still dwells in the members of my body. And so there's this battle going on every day between what I want to do to please God and sometimes where I fail. Schizophrenic. It's the normal Christian life. You can take that down. And so that's why when Paul now, back in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Now we know we're going ahead a little bit in the reading plan, but chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that, get this, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Stop. Think about that for a minute. Paul, in his schizophrenia and in his struggle 
And if you're the real deal and you've really been born again, you hate it that you still have to struggle and you hate it that you can't be perfect. Perfection is the glory of God and the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. And Paul in Romans chapter 3 says we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. That's what sin means, missing the mark. And even though you've been made new on the inside, the struggle because of the sin that still dwells in the members of our bodies, Paul needed to be reminded. And here as he thinks to himself, wait a minute, who will rescue me? Thanks be to God. And he's looking forward to a new body, but he's also being reminded that his salvation and his righteousness is not dependent on his perfection and his obedience to the law. It's dependent on Jesus Christ, his perfection, and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Thought it'd be a little more rough on that one, but let me come back to it this way. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Actually, verse 21. I got it wrong, and I, we didn't... Oh, somebody did correct it for me. Thank you. Say this with me. You ready? Here we go. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Keep that up there for a minute. Go back with me one more time to Romans now chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and you go down to verse 21. But now a righteousness from God apart from law, apart from law, has nothing to do with you obeying any of the Ten Commandments, has nothing to do with your obedience to any kind of law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. God talked about it, gave examples of it in the Old Testament. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. There's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Chapter 1, Paul deals with the Gentile world. Gentiles would have read chapter 1 and gone, yeah, them dirty Gentile sinners. Then he gets to chapter 2, and he blasts the Jewish people. Then you're just as bad. And then he sums it up here in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Colossians tells us in chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, that he forgave us all our sins, and he canceled the written code that was against us and that stood opposed to us. Listen, by faith in Jesus Christ, I am just as righteous as Jesus Christ is righteous. I didn't say I'm Jesus Christ. Big difference. One of the things I remember from one of the professors in Christian college when he explained justification by faith, and it was so good, it was so simple, but I never forgot it. Justification, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's the righteousness we have by faith. We have the righteousness of Christ because of our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Hallelujah. Normal Christian life, schizophrenic. Struggle. Disappointment because I'm still not perfect. But then the reminder, my righteousness is not based on my perfection. It's based on my faith, my faith in Jesus Christ. And here's one of the ironies of the Christian life. The longer you walk with Jesus and the more mature you become as a Christian, the more frustrated you will be about wanting to be completely perfect and holy, and yet you can't do it. Now, it's not an excuse. That's the third section. We're going to get to it. 
But before we get to the third section, I hope you're encouraged that one day we're going to have new bodies. I'll be 63 next week. I know I don't look it, but I'll be 63 next week. Every birthday you look in the mirror and go, you need a new body, especially when you get over 60. But not only will the new body not age, it won't get COVID-19, it'll never get sick, it won't be threatened by death or any kind of disease. But in the new body, you'll never, ever struggle with sin again. Did you hear what I just said? You'll never, ever struggle with sin again. There won't be that schizophrenic thing anymore. It won't be a struggle to do what's right. You will do what's right. And you won't be a robot. And it's going to be one of the most amazing miracles of heaven. So, struggle, schizophrenic, righteous, by faith. Last but not least, Romans chapter 8. The end of verse 3, and so he condemns sin and sinful man. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. And I purposely stop mid-verse because the last part of verse 4 is this. Who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. Verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba. Daddy, that's what it means. Very personal. Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And here's how I've headlined this last section to kind of pull it all together. It is the practical reality of genuine Christianity. And this is it. Number one, you have the witness of the Spirit because you have a different mindset. Because my heart was changed, my mindset was changed. Colossians says, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Puts the mind and the heart together. I'm not bragging. You've heard me say it before, but I'm telling you the truth. I think about heaven every single day, every single day. If you've truly been born again, you have a different mindset. This world is no longer your home. You are just passing through. It's a mindset. 
because your heart has been changed. Second, the Holy Spirit not only gives you a different mindset, but now because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have confirmation by the Holy Spirit that you have a relationship with God. This is something you can't explain to somebody. You can't put it into words except to say that I know I'm a child of God because I have a relationship. I have a relationship. I feel his presence. I know that I know that I know because the Holy Spirit lives inside me. And because of the Holy Spirit and my faith in Jesus and in the Father, I have a relationship with God. It's not religion. Big difference. Big difference. Not religion. It's a relationship. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. So it's conviction of righteousness by faith, by the Holy Spirit. Confirmation of a relationship with God. I'm a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And then this one, third one, listen. Because you're a child of God, there are consequences for disobedience. Now, this is the curve. Because, you see, what happens is when you get to that second point and you really get it, that my salvation is based on my faith in Jesus Christ and what he did, not my obedience. Some people wrongly conclude, okay, I'll trust in Jesus and then live however I want. That was Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to live in sin and let grace increase? And then he goes on at the end of the chapter to say, when you yield yourselves to someone to obey, you're slaves to the one you've chosen to obey. You were slaves to sin. Now you're to be slaves to righteousness. And so because I'm a child of God, there's an obligation that I have because now I'm not my own. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. And so if I'm the real deal, if I've really been born again, the practical reality of my Christianity, I have a different mindset. My mind really is on the things of heaven. I live here, but my home is there. I have a confirmation of a relationship with God. I'm a child of God. And because I'm a child of God, I have an obligation. And then third, the witness of the Spirit. And that's where we are. That's where we are. Catch up with me. Witness of the Spirit. Conviction of righteousness. Second, confirmation of relationship. And the third, consequences for disobedience. You have a child. You have children. If you really love those children, you don't just let them do whatever they want. You discipline them because you love them. And God, because now we're his children, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when we quench the Holy Spirit, then there are consequences. Whether you believe in spanking or not, God does. And he will spank us to keep us from going back to that worthless lifestyle. So the evangelist in me wants to do everything he can to be sure that everybody here, everybody watching my live stream, that you've been born again. Before I close, 
Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, lived much of his life, the kind of religious environment where he was striving to be good. He thought he was good enough to get into heaven. But when he met Jesus, everything changed. And the more he grew as a Christian, the more he saw how sinful he really was. When he writes in 1 Timothy, he calls himself the worst of sinners. And he was the A-plus religious student and man of his day. And once he came to Christ and once he was born again, his heart grieved for those Jewish neighbors and friends who were caught in that religious rut that he had been in for years. In closing, let me just read what he says in Romans chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they're zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. The question I've asked so many people over the years, if you were to die and you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And I'm telling you, 99.99% of the answer goes something like this. I'm a pretty good person. And they're comparing themselves with other people who are worse than them. Romans, we read earlier, such a man's praise, the true Jewish person who's been changed from the inside, his praise is not from men, but from God. You're not comparing yourself with other people. You're not depending on what other people say about you. What does God say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and you must be born again. Jesus to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. That's the conversation we get our most famous Christian verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he told Nicodemus, religious man, you must be born again. Have you been born again? You may have grown up in the church. You may have called me your pastor for years. And yet today you realize as religious as I've been, as much as I believed the Bible and believed about Jesus, I don't have the witness of the Spirit. I don't have that. I've never been born again. Well, guess what? You can be right now, right here, watching my live stream. You can be saved. You can be born again. If the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Jesus, bow your head, bow your head. If that's you, just pray. God's listening to your heart. You can pray from your heart, just like I did when I was 19 years old. Just say to Jesus, dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now help me to live for you the rest of this life. Still bow just for a moment. If you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, at some point you need to tell somebody else.
We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join us in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? Prayer is such a powerful tool against the enemy, and there's much to pray about during these days of speculation, doubt, and fear. Perhaps there's a listener who's really wrestling with all of the uncertainties, and your prayers could be a way to minister to their heart and mind, renewing their faith along the way. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. We're reminded in these New Testament books that God came to earth as a man, just like us, and suffered in ways that we might be suffering currently. But He came to redeem each one of us, and that gives hope beyond what's happening in front of you. Thanks for praying. With that, we've come to the end of our time today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued teaching through this series called New Testament Highlights. We hope you'll tune in again, right here on The Living Word.